Today is November 26th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, which are Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down the red road. Oki. I'm Mekochis Chestakom Hake, or Red Thunder Woman and Blackfoot. My spirit name is uh, Red Thunder Woman given to me in ceremony. My humblest apologies to Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I'm Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, a very English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Satu Dene, but my Indian Act po- imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknife's Dene. My father is so Canadian that I'm a daughter of the Mayflower, a daughter of the American Revolution, and I have an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Lake, um, Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area called Clinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to Amanda, Ashley, Beatrice, Diana, Dustin, Jody, Judy, Julie, Kenna, Matt, Nathan, Sharon, The Sprawl, Tiffany, and Veronica for signing up. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions, and we are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up. Today, I'm really fortunate to have somebody in the city of Calgary that does amazing work, and her name is Gracie. Gracie, would you like to introduce yourself? Okay, dance. My name is Grace Heavy Runner. Sani Daniku Buktaganaki, Little Blood Woman. That was given to me when I was 25 years old. I am 44 years old right now. I have two grown adult children, uh, Cassia and Eric Tailfeathers. And yeah, so I have three grandchildren also. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, from my son. So, and they, they reside in the Tsutina era area. That's where they're from. Wow. That's amazing. I know. So, uh, just really planning a good Christmas for my grandchildren. I, um, since I've kind of got to know my culture, I, I really don't try and uh, celebrate too many, um, I guess, colonial uh, holidays yep. myself. So, But I still keep that for my children, too. So, Yeah, know. I know that uh, torn feeling. I, I feel you on that. I know for my daughter, I want her to have a you know, fun Christmas. And I know most, well, all the family is Christian or at least does colonial holidays. So how do you, how do you say no when other family obviously want to do that? Right. So I, I understand how hard that is. 
Yeah, um, just coming into trying to be decolonized these days. Yeah. And uh, feeling very proud of who I am at this time. Uh, I grew up in the residential school. I come from a a line, uh, a full line of uh, residential school survivors. My parents were in the same school. My grandparents also were in the same school. Wow. So that was the St. Mary's boarding school. Mm -hmm. I was the last of my generation. It was it closed when I was eleven years old. Wow! On the it, blood reserve, yes. So, um, uh, spending three years of my life there, quite young, um, we would go home on the weekends, but we would have to return back to the school. Incredible. So, uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Right now, I'm a, in the journalism program. I'm in my third year. Oh, I know where you're in, but where do you want to maybe share with our people listening in where you where you're studying? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm at the Mount Royal University. Yeah, you like that? Ah, uh, yes, I do. Awesome. Um, I'm in my third year journalism, and I'm also at volunteering my uh, my community to to build a community at the CJSW ninety point nine FM. Wow. So, yeah, and I've been there for two years already, so I'm really happy about that. <laughs> I know I was lucky enough to be a, one of your, well, a couple of your, um, you know, be a guest and yes. talking about different things. And, and that seems like it was yesterday, but it clearly was not yesterday. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, well, I tackle, uh, one of my podcasts is called uh, Indigenization Across the Nation. Oh, right on. And uh, yeah, and I, uh, I, um that was given to me by uh, my program director and also the director that was, was there at the CJSW. They're no longer there anymore, but that was Frank and Mike Todd. So, and we still keep contact. Um, I still keep contact uh, with Mike right now. So um, it's just been a, such a blessing being over at the CJSW. That's awesome. They've really, um, you know, they're my friends, they're my teammates, just developed kind of a family Right on. A family uh, setting over there, and I feel very like it's a safe space for me to go and just create my podcast or tell my ideas. So it's really, it's really something, you know, that's and uh, something to be very proud of. Yeah, and I, you know, that's really why I wanted to have you on the show is because I know you're doing this great work and that you have lots to share about, you know, uh, podcasts that you're helping with producing or that you know of that you might want to uh, share with us and indigenization across the nation. What a great, <laughs> what a great title. What are some of the other projects that you're working on for the other podcasts in the city? Um, you know what I have, like I said, indigenization across the nation and I do tackle um, indigenous issues, uh, specifically systemic issues that have been afflicting my people for generations. Awesome. And uh, I have my other podcast that I take a break, actually, not a break, I can say, but, you know, it just kind of gives me a balance. So yep. I have Treaty Nation music. Treaty Nation And music. I, yeah, celebrate my Indigenous artists here in the community, either local or nationwide. So I'm very inclusive yeah. with that. So, um, yeah, and it's, you know, um, like I said, uh, I really needed that balance and I feel like it's really important. I know that the issues are there. Um, I feel like my people and many other tribes, I feel like, are at a kind of a, a crisis level. Yep. And uh, that cannot be swept under the rug. Yep. So, but, you'll, you, you know, you need that self-care. 
Yeah. You need that self-care and you need to balance out and still remember, hey, you know what? I'm a creative person. Um, you know, I have many, many talents. Yeah. And it's not just one area that I'm covering. So I'm, you know, I'm actually, you know, uplifting my spirit by, you know, having a, getting a chance to alternate podcasts to Treaty Nation Music. The next month will be Indigenization Across the Nation. So it's very busy. I'm already booked for right this on. year. Wow. And, and um, yeah, I'm booked solid for this year. It's coming, you know, everything's getting quite busy. Yeah. And next year, I'm also uh, booking into next year already. Wow, that's great. Yes. Um, one of the things that I, I seen that, they, you know, you were really promoting local um, voices and youth. And um, I just wanted to ask you about some of your memorable guests that, uh, you know, that we can get other people who might be listening to start following to their voices as well. Okay, well, um, uh, my first guest was Adam Jones, and he's from BC. And we actually covered the Missing Women Indigenous Men and Boys. And uh, me and him are friends. And um, I really, um, yeah, I actually um, kind of stemmed, uh, pulled that from my article when I was in my first year. I actually got my article uh, published. Mm. And uh, that was. Um, in regards to uh, Colton Crowshoe. Yep. And uh, working with that for two two semesters, um, you know, really opened my eyes to quite a lot. Yeah. Um, actually, quite a lot of doors on where, hey, I didn't really know this was going on. So not just our area that was happening, other areas like other tribes or other small towns, this was happening like in Thunder Bay. Well, I think it's really important that you say, like, it's systemic because uh, yeah. it is. It, it's all rooted in the Indian Act and colonialization, like our colonialism in general, um, you know, because it's continuing. It's not something that's stopped. So mm-hmm. I just think it's really important that you, you're talking about these issues and seeing that it is a national issue. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard because it's, well, yes, it's a national issue. There's so much that can be done you know, at the provincial level, at the municipal level, and that's where I get really excited about is that, look, there's all these levels of government that have a role to play, and yet most of them just go, well, it's kind of a federal issue, and it's hard because until we get buy-in from all these levels, and and not just them, but also community, um, you know, for example, community associations, understanding the gravity of that, and being how you covered Colton Crowshoe, I'm sure you understand um, for those who were probably not understanding, <laughs> Gracie and I um, talked about Colton Crowshoe before, and I've been heavily involved in in uh, that case only because that's literally my neighbor, literally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I see all of these issues with Indigenous right in my ward. I ran for city council to try to shed a light on some of these things. But, you know, ultimately, this isn't just in our area. Uh, one of my most popular episodes that I've ever had is Seven Fallen Feathers, actually. So when you brought up um, Thunder Bay, like, there, right now there's this great podcast that uh, Ryan McMahon is putting on, uh, mm-hmm. Canada Land. So um, mm-hmm. I actually have to listen to the latest episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I'm really hoping I can get to actually listening to many of the Indigenous podcasts that are out there because, you know what, I really feel like we need that support. Yeah. 
And uh, especially going into the journalism and the broadcast journalism, we are very low in uh, numbers. And I feel like um, we really definitely need to take a step up and to take over our media mm-hmm. content, especially, um, you know, like I said, uh, Canada, you know, um, I feel like still we're kind of being pushed aside, yep. which I don't like that, you know, so I'm actually, you know, I have a team, we're all in the journalism program right now. I'm also mentored, I've, I've trained already, you know, just going into my second year it was, you yeah. know, so um, I think it's really important that we have that voice and continue to strive for it to be in a national network on where we are the mainstream media. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you know? I love yeah. it. I love that idea. I love it. I'm, I'm so excited, actually. I feel like so much has changed um, since the TRC came out and, you know, a lot of the media were like, yeah, I guess we really don't have any Indigenous voices. And now we even have like a local CBC uh, brand new reporter and we just have needed this so badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indigenous yeah, voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Like I just, you know, I would like to see our youth and, you know, actually just even promote you know, having that comfortable spot and, you know, being a voice for our our city, our country, mm-hmm. you know, coming in. And, uh, yeah, so I, I really, my future plans are, you know, that's what I've been working up towards. And I feel like I've really made a great network. Um, I've made com- connections with uh, National Film Board of Canada. Right on. Um, APTN. You know, so my network is is growing on where I'm collaborating with the right people that can actually, we can all collaborate together and, you know, make this happen uh, as a team. Yeah. And I think that's really important on where, and then that's another thing too, I, you know, with indigenization across the nation, I want to give people that voice to be heard, you know, and um, it's very important to keep that community because what we do lack is community. We do lack that support. And we need to really, you know, I guess, uh, retrain our brains mm-hmm. into to thinking, hey, we are a community. We are good parents. We are, yeah. you know, we're not going to be, I guess, you know, when I, when I take a look at it, it's just, you know, um, I think about why are we having, you know, someone hold us by the hand, you know, <laughs> yeah. on a constant level. And that's what I think I don't, I don't like. And, yeah. um, it's all about power and control and I don't like that power and control. No, you know, it's just like who, who is above us and who can we trust as governments, Yeah, you know, even chief and counsel, yeah. you know, I'm not going to really, you know, I, I, I just can't brush anything under the rug anymore knowing that, Hey, there is a true history of Canada, and we need to bring it forth. Yeah, you know, I agree. to educate and to um, raise uh, self awareness and and awareness. Yeah, you know, definitely that's very important. And um, I it look, it took me like two three days to come up with the name Indigenization across the nation, and you know, all my professors, everyone at Montreal supported that. One hundred percent, and they still do to this day. Right on. And yeah, and so I, I just keep 
going and going and whoever and I really don't say no to anybody actually that really wants to be on the podcast Mm -hmm. you know someone that does get contacts me and I'm like you know okay well you know you're going to come on but we're already booking it next year so everybody has to kind of be patient now only have half an hour once a month because I do have to uh, balance my studies because I do want to graduate and go for my master's oh that's a great goal I'm so happy to hear that (laughs) yeah yeah what made you decide to go for your master's um, I actually got, um, I have an academic advisor, and he is my sponsor also at the same time that um, uh, the Blood Tribe is investing me to, you know, you know, supporting me and making sure that I'm going to get, attain my goals. Right on. Yes, wow. I, I feel very blessed in that way, and I'm very, I feel very carried um, in a lot of ways because, you know, the challenges that I do still face or, you know, um, intergenerational trauma that still affects my, you know, it still affects everything, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the moment or if I do go to class, you know, or, you know, it's it, it's still there because I was, you know, I was affected. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't feel like, you know, even the educational institutions, uh, they don't even recognize the intergenerational trauma. And I'm really hoping that, hey, or do we have to wait another 10, 15 years for one of the TRC movements to come through? So that's that's a big thing on where I'm taking a look at the TRC. And I would like to look at it as an action instead of just a piece of paper. Oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> um, yeah. My last uh, podcast was specific on uh, Call to Action 6 to 12 on education alone. Um, and my my last book club was on that. And, you know, trying to relay to non-Indigenous their role at the community level, you know, at the provincial level, municipal level, um, and, of course, the federal you know, we need that buy-in everywhere and we need that understanding. And then as community people, like, you know, arguably we haven't had a moment to really heal. We haven't had a moment where there's not trauma, you know, still enforced upon us. So, um, you know, healing isn't something we can do quite yet, but, you know, we can try, we can manage, you know, living this world and trying to manage our healing journey along with it and alongside it and um, just keep moving forward. But, the whole point is, is that action, that component, the whole reason why they called them the 94 calls to action and not recommendations, because they didn't want them to just sit on a, on a desk collecting dust, you know, so yeah. Oh, well, I'm really glad you're doing all of this work and that you're, you know, talking about the systemic issues, because I think, you know, for indigenous people, for us to understand, it's, what has happened to our people and then to give us that pride of like we're still standing despite all of these you know like I'm looking at some of my books and the Lost Harvest um, book from Sarah Carter one of the hardest books I have to read through because you know I can only process so much of it before I need time to uh, heal from what I read knowing all of the policies that have been imposed beyond Indian residential school and um with Indian residential school, we have, uh, my family went to, uh, Sacred Heart in, uh, Fort Providence. And, uh, so we are still healing from that. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know the, the history of it until really, really recently. So I'm really grateful to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, but 
gosh, that's just one policy. <laughs> one out of so many others that have been imposed on us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That, uh, the conversation about resiliency, that's one of the strengths I think there is to your podcast and to the, mm-hmm. you know, bigger conversation of Indigenous and their own voice is that, mm-hmm. that we are such strong people. And despite all of these awful things that have happened to us, we're still here. And not just still here, you're going for your master's. You're going forward with other mentors like there's so much activity you're you're mentoring the youth like mm-hmm. as a grandmother you know i i know the reason why i'm doing the things that i do is in the hopes that things will be better for my daughter you know i imagine that's just amplified as a grandmother mm-hmm. yes um uh, well i totally agree uh i always want to uh i guess make it a better world for them right yeah. and making sure that you know, they're not going to be feeling uncomfortable walking around where they, this is their home. Yeah. This is their homeland, you know. And uh, sometimes, unfortunately, there is still the racism. There is the discrimination that we face. Um, I faced it as a little girl living in a Mormon town. Um, I had to, you know, I, I went to school uh I would leave the residential school. I didn't go to school right on the blood reserve. I actually went to school in the public the public schools in the Mormon town, mm. the small parts of Mormon town. And they would drive us out there. But, you know, we had a lot of discrimination from the, the teachers, you know, and that's how I grew up. So, and being kind of frightened sometimes, I wouldn't even say anything to my parents. So, yeah, um, it was, uh, that was the challenges that I did face. Um, and it, it was very plain to see that there was a big divide already in an early age uh, where I had to, you know, you know, face that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, and then I left uh, the Blood Reserve, actually, uh, on when I was 14 years old mm-hmm. and, and grew up in a white home until I was 18. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, um, and which I did have very loving uh foster parents but we didn't get much out of that um we were wearing secondhand clothes while her sons were all wearing brand name clothes and and we never got to to you know even nothing was ours anyways so and we we were just left you know at 18 really not you know there wasn't really no supports back then or really no guidance to tell you the truth when we left that home Awful. So, you know, but they had a, you know, and then one year they just changed their number where nobody can even get a hold of them. And they have a really nice retirement right now sitting somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is disappointing because they're supposed to be like your parents. And there's, there's always that implied assumption that if you foster a child, that they become a part of your family for life. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's not really the way. It, it, No, it, it's not really that. Uh, you know, it, I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, misconceptions about um, a lot of homes there that are out there. And I hear it all the time, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, even though I, I never was raised on the blood reserve from 14 to 18, I still would go back and visit, you know, so I'm still very connected to my people all the time. Uh, what breaks my heart right now is a fentanyl crisis that's happening. 
Oh, isn't it bad? It's in the news. It's it's heartbreaking. It's very terrifying. Yep. It's very terrifying that my people are going through this. Um, I'm still in the works right now to find out who passed away within those two week span because I'm just shocked. Like I'm even asking, I'm like on my social media asking questions on what's going on there. Yep. And then kind of hearing some horror stories. So I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. This is, this is really, you know, I feel, I feel when these things happen, it's just like, okay, well, this is probably has happened before. Yeah. You know, so it's just like history repeating itself. So it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. And then what are you going to do, you know, uh, when you're caught in that cycle? It's just where where is the change and where there's no really no um, positive changes at all. This thing just keeps happening and happening. Um, I'm shaking my head at the, you know, on the leaders, that the leaders, you know, on what's, what's, you know, are there family meetings here? Are there community meetings on which, you know, the community really need to come together right now at these times? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I feel like I've seen this before, except maybe this was with alcohol in the past, or maybe, you know, when distribu- a big distribution was handed out. So these things really, uh, they shouldn't be, you know, left on, you know, like, just left unsaid and where nobody says anything about it and just walks away and pretends like it doesn't happen. And that's what I see, too, along my journey. There's a lot of people that want to turn away and say, oh, well, you know, don't talk about that. <sighs> Gross. You know, and then I'm like, well, why can't we? No, we can't. We have to. We have to scream about it. Like from my yeah. my point of view, like just being in the urban Calgary and seeing the amount of people that fentanyl is taking, um, and of course, a disproportionate number of Indian residential school survivors are being taken. Um, obviously, because we've never dealt with the trauma, um, and by that I mean that we've never been given the proper tools. I mean. I would argue that, you know, if you're non-Indigenous and you're in Alberta, there's hardly any mental health supports anyway, let alone with that intersectionality of Indigenous issues and Indigenous trauma inflicted by the government. Like, finding those types of resources, I don't know where they are, that's for sure, but I definitely keep fighting for them. Anyway, I just, for the fentanyl crisis right now, I'm just seeing so many of our people being taken and because it's always been under the Indian Act genocide, I feel like it's happening right now. Everybody sees it, but like you said, nobody wants to talk about it. And like, n- not only do we have to talk about it, but we have to stop it. We have to scream about it. Yeah. You know, when I ran, I was really serious about safe injection injection sites, uh, safe consumption sites. Is it um, is the better terminology they like to use now? And that's just in the city. <laughs> that's not even including yeah. out in the urban and out in the uh, you know res area. Like that, all of this needs to be seen as a crisis because it is a crisis. And I don't understand why we're okay with you know people with mental health at all being affected like this and being taken. Um, you know, there's a lot of organizations called like you know changing the face of addiction and that to try to broaden the bigger concept of you know, people just even trying fentanyl who aren't even addicts, you know, um, and just trying it one time and then dying. It's just like Russian roulette right now. So, which is awful. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
So um, I I just feel like this just just goes kind of on the pile of the crisis, you know. Yeah. So the the, the missing murdered Indigenous women and girls, the yep. suicide rate, you know. Um, yep. You know, just going along every aspect of of uh, economy, you know. Yep. And um, community too is is everything is affected and and i feel like it's just like where do the indigenous people sit yeah you know and that's what i'm you know i always take my time aside and i do research you know mm-hmm. and i'm really happy to have people that are directing me or advising me i keep close contact with all my uh, professors mm. you know and where if i do need advice i'll go to them or go to the right people um i you know I have, like, along my way, have have faced uh, toxic, to- to- oh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> toxicity, yep. you know, toxic toxic people on where, okay, it kind of becomes a crabs and a, a bucket syndrome. Yep. On, and, then, and I have to pull away from that or, you know, have to recognize, especially, you know, and I'm glad, you know, I didn't know this before because I was very, you know, ignorant towards, what was happening, especially, you know, stemming from our history or to our true history, because I'm in residential school, I'm going and I'm learning the history books. There, there's just no, not, not anywhere did I see the residential school, mm-hmm. not even the word mm-hmm. in any of our history books back then. Right. You know, so in it, you know, my question is how many Canadians do you know of the true history of Canada? There's, some that are oblivious, totally oblivious, um, to what has happened to the Indigenous peoples here in Canada, mm-hmm. and I'm finding the, I'm finding quite alarming. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's, uh, I, I am surprised that more people aren't speaking out, but I also, I see a lot of strength and resilience in like voices like yourselves and other, you know, grassroots women that are speaking out about these issues. And I think that a lot of chief and council end up being really like, oh, well, you know, this, these people are saying this, so I guess we better start advocating for it when they realize that all the indigenous grandmas have the community support behind them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that it's good that you're, I don't know, pushing these things, talking about these things, and um, especially as a journalist, I mean, you're going to be given that accreditation as a as a person to be doing this good work, and you're going to have people who, you know, don't support you, but it's sometimes it's not, that's just a small ego coming from those people. Um, you know, I talk a lot about uh, systemic racism and how that, you know, I call it... Um, internalized racism but lateral violence crabs in the bucket that whole thing Mm -hmm. is is a result of systemic issues so until we deal with systemic racism we will always have that you know lateral violence or or however you i I call internalized racism we'll always Mm -hmm. have that and the at the end of my podcast I, i used to do it for the first 30 episodes i did it at the start but now i do it at the end where i talk about internalized racism and coping tools for you know, if you see aggressive behavior that's anti-racist and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard because, you know, you just want to move forward and talk about real issues and like the fentanyl crisis. I'd love to see article after article after article about that in the news saying, hey, 
until you deal with this, this is going to be in the news every single day. But yeah. I think that there's just too much silence on it right now. The people are too afraid to talk about it. Um, but I will say this, that the similarities between the fentanyl crisis and the AIDS crisis are like exact. Exact. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody wanted to talk about AIDS and HIV. Nobody. And Yeah. You know, so it took like somebody like, you know, Princess Diana <laughs> to, you know, hold and hug somebody who was um, had AIDS or had HIV in order for people to see that this was a thing and that, you know, these are real people and really break down that stigma. And that's what we're at right now with the um, opioid crisis and the and the addiction and that we just have to start breaking the stigma. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I totally agree. Um, and again, it takes a community and, you know, like I'm really, you know, I'm really, like I said, I, I feel really blessed, um, you know, one day just opening up my, you know, email and there was, uh, the opportunity for me to volunteer at CJSW. And you know what? I did not even know how that would, you know, would look like that being the first time working with radio. Yeah. So um, I go in there, you know, and I'm, I'm volunteering and, you know, it's just an amazing experience, especially with my orientation. Oh, really? And I really uh, kudos to all the, the people that are working for CJSW because they made me feel so comfortable. Oh, they made me good. feel so welcome. Yep. Um, just like the, my professors at the Mount Royal University. Um, in the journalism program, mm. you know, they made me feel so welcome then, and they continue to welcome me back to their events or to even host, um, you know, host or be part of, you know, events. Um, you know, I, I did the walk for Colton Crowshoe mm. at the Mount Royal University yep. a, a few years ago, and um, then I took part in another walk for the Missing Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. Um, at the Mount Royal, and it was really nice to see because, you know, I was so busy, and plus um, I had some challenges, so I've been healing at the same time <laughs> uh, physically. But anyways, I, um, I, uh, you know, it was so happy to see when I opened up uh, my social media page and uh, the transgender, um, uh I think it was that just happened uh, at the Mount Royal University, which they have that annually. Yeah, it's so, the Transgender Day of Awareness. So, yes. Yeah. What, yes. For those who don't know, it's um, a day that internationally uh, communities, transgender communities come together and talk and, and say the names out loud of all the transgender who were murdered and, and killed, sometimes tortured, uh, in the course of one single year. Mm-hmm. and it's it's horrifying it's heartbreaking but it needs to be done it needs to yeah. be said because people need to understand how marginalized our our trans folk are yeah yeah well i i really um you know i was i had the honor to be a part of that uh walk uh last year and you know i told steve well you know and they asked me you know because i part uh i was partly you know, I went in partnership with the transgender um, community, mm-hmm. um, the people that were organizing the walk, and I collaborated with them on where we started from the Niskum Center. So that was really nice um, of them, and we all participated all together, you know. So 
in collaboration, we're able to build a, a bigger community and actually um, recognize the missing word in Indigenous women and girls and uh, LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, we had the honor song. B.B. Buxkin was there. Elena Spence sang the uh, honor song from the MRU. You know, so, um, you know, I I really take that to heart and I really cherish those those highlights that I was able to take part of. And they're still doing that this year. <laughs> so I was just really, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I wasn't there this year, but I was there in spirit and I always am. Yep. You know, if I can't make it to an event or if I can't be there all the time, I will definitely, you know, contact people and saying, hey, you know, I, I wasn't there, but, you know, would you like to, you know, come and share your story or, you know, just anything they would like to offer on the, on my podcast. So just always networking and, and making people feel comfortable that, hey, you know, um, they're very welcome to come on Great. and share their voice. Oh, that's awesome. I uh, I know that there's so many topics to talk about, and I I find that people don't understand how it's all rooted like rooted in colonialism, as the source of these problems. But you yeah. know, um, I sh- try to share a lot of information about trying to be a better ally to Indigenous people. Um, what are your, how are you? Because you were saying you're feeling you were so welcomed, and yep. felt so safe in so many ways. So you know, it just sounds like Mount Royal is a really a safer space for Indigenous uh, people. Um, yes, I believe so, and, and I'm not going to say every, anything is perfect, mm-hmm. right? We still have to address, um, like you said, the clone, the colonization. Mm-hmm. Right? We still have to address intergenerational trauma, and and what I feel like. And I always would would see at the MRU and still to this day that their efforts and then them taking that opportunity to to raise awareness on these important issues. And it's not just coming from the professors; it's coming from the uh, the students. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great? I I just find that the newer generations are just so on top of this, and I I actually kind of feel bad for the older generations who aren't ready for this because it, like the newer generations have no they're not transphobic, they're not homophobic, they have no time for sexism, they don't understand the old colonial ways. They're like, no, you had your chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's just, you know, everyone is stepping up. Yep. Um, you know, um, I'm always trying to encourage people that, you know, are starting to feel like, hey, well, I don't have a voice or, you know, I should just stay quiet or, you know, no, that's not my, that's not my, you know, agenda, you know, so I, if you're going to be feeling like that, I'm going to make sure you're feeling very comfortable because I'm going to encourage you. Yeah, that's great. Yes. And that's just, that's constantly what I would like to do. And I'm constantly, I do that on with the podcast and what, and, uh, you know, having people share their, their perspectives. Yeah, is very important to me, and making sure that hey, there's sometimes there's no right or wrong answer yeah. because sometimes we just don't know all the answers, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and 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 just not understand each other. Like um, I met a fellow today, and you know, a white fellow who's really cares about community. We are so on the opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to land ownership. But I know he's a good person. I know where he's trying to come from. So if he he and I can, you know, just try to figure out how to work together here in the most respectful way that we can, 
-hmm. Like that's what it's supposed to be about. That's community building. And that's, you know, the more, the better idea of what reconciliation could be is just equality in general. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously I don't feel that there is equity at this time, but we can get there at least with good people trying. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh yes. And you know, like I said, um, uh, even, you know, even to this day, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll get that, you know, very strange look, but I think I'm just actually very used to it, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and now I, I don't think about the racism and the discrimination are, are not so, um, I guess, so powerful anymore yep. as when I was younger. Sure. I, I really would say, yeah. Now it's just like, okay, you know, I can deal with this. Yeah. And but I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going to be like trying to, you know, put myself in the corner. No, nope. you know, or yep. brush myself, you know, to where I'm not going to be seen because that's not ever going to happen again. You know, so nope. <laughs> and, and yeah. And then, you know, and I can be, feel confident and, and feel, you know, feel like, hey, you know what? Not everybody's going to like me in this world, but yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> yep. I love me. You know, I love me and I love who, you know, like the the daily things that I'm doing and, and trying to do to get to, you know, uh, get closer to my goals. Um, and also, you know, actually, you know, uplifting somebody if it's yeah. just that one person. Yep. Yep. That's great. I. <sighs> I could go on about mentorship. I definitely hope that we can start collaborating on bigger concepts of mentorship. You know, mm-hmm. the Boys and Girls Club do really good work here in the city, and there are some really great organizations trying to do that mentorship, where it is really is coming from a place of empowerment to the youth, as opposed to that, you know, the previous programs that have been available have always been some, you know, organizations saving a group of Indigenous children, never addressing the issues, never addressing systemic problems and never doing self-reflection on their contribution to this oppression. So I think, um, you know, here we are, two Indigenous women talking about, well, I'm going to say Blackfoot and Dene, because that's who we are. We don't have to pan-Indigenize ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But here we are finding our voice. And I I love these podcasts for that reason. Like, you can't stifle our voices anymore. It's just coming out and a discussion. So yeah, you don't have to like me, but this is the, this is the truth. And, um, you know, just because our, our, uh, education up to this point has had zero real history. Well, now you're getting it and it might be coming at you a lot faster than you ever anticipated, but too bad. You need to know this is our history. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I want to, I don't want to give too much away, but you know, in the new year, I'm definitely going to have, um, you know, a lot to cover and and making sure that, you know, I am going to, you know, talking about, I'll be talking about our history on my podcast. So that's one, that's one little thing I can say for the new year. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm already having people lined up to come on. There'll be featured guests that I'm going to have to, to, um, that will, that I will let to have come on. Um, And especially having our elders, you know, there's love always it. a place for it. Yes, for our elders, and I love our elders in the community that have supported me 100%, and um, have actually been there and you know adopted me as their daughter. So mm. um, those are the blessings that you know, so many gifts that Creator has given me, mm. and um, that is, you know, 
and I know I'm strong, you know, um, you know, I, I'm smudging. I, you know, I smudge, I, I, I use the sage and I use the sweet grass, you know, uh, almost on a daily now. Right on. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And before I didn't, you know, so yep. it's just like all these, um, all these gifts that I'm giving and, I'm, you know, like I said, maybe some days are not perfect, but it, that they don't have to be perfect because I'm only human too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I have my ups and my downs just like everybody else. And, but I, I face my problems head on right now. Yep. Um, I, I try not to, you know, run away from them or, you know, or, or brush them under the rug. Right on. Yeah. Right on. I'm really honored. I, I, I guess we should probably wrap it up there because, you know, here you're talking about culture and it giving you that strength and us moving forward and anything that you want to promote on this show, you are welcome to anytime. You can either just send me a message and I'll share it or, you know, come on to the show and talk about it. Um, I really feel honored that you'd come and share some of your thoughts and your podcast and your work and, and just who you are on my podcast today. I can't thank you enough, Gracie. Yeah. Well, you know what? Lots of hugs and loves and sending positive vibes your way all the time. And thank you for the invite. And I will take that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because that's that's just it. I don't know uh, who listens and why they listen, but I do know that I get these uh, really sweet private messages in the morning after I release something. And, you know, I just know that they're, it's making a difference with other people and other people are telling me they're getting educated by just listening to us. So we've never had the floor before. And that's the best that's part about very, these podcasts. <laughs> no, that is very excellent. That's what I said. You know, um, I think there, there's not going to be enough of us, you know, raising that awareness and one more to be, you know, jumping on board. That is a bonus, and that's kudos. Kudos to you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm grateful, grateful, and because I have people like you that I can chit-chat with. So, Gracie, thanks again for coming on our show. Okay, and we'll talk again soon. You have a great night. You too. Take care, Gracie. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks again, Gracie, for coming. I really appreciate you being on our show. Um, I just want to do a quick plug for Native Awareness Training that's open to the public, hosted by Walter McDonald White Bear. Uh, That's coming up on December 5th. Just register with him. Get that going so that you can, uh, yeah, be good allies to Indigenous people. Um, Indigenous have been talking about the issues, sharing our traumas in reports, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor those words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. And if they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equality Plus, or if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, know your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. That's why they're called calls to action. Um, recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child reform, uh, violence prevention. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election uh, platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism and racism and sexism, they literally have no business running because it is more cost Uh, draining for what uh, happens to people with colonialism and with racism and with sexism. 
you know, we have so many people that would love to work, but because of racism, because of sexism, people aren't getting those jobs. Um, and again, with colonialism, we have all of these government policies that come down on Indigenous people and no support systems. So this is costing people money as opposed to just investing properly to begin with. Uh, this should be understood by all parties or local politicians, community associations, sports, everything. Um, violence is a daily reality. Uh, every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, because many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs. And usually people by who don't know anything about Indigenous, don't know anything about colonialism, don't know anything about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, just typical microaggressions. You know, then there's the Indigenous dealing with internalized racism who become the gatekeepers that survive off the status quo. You know, people who are really in trauma and don't have resources to get out of that. And um, yeah, internalized external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. This is why I started a podcast so that I could be heard. Um, my hope is that my family will be proud in the future discussing these uh, present day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. So I always want to talk about cultural safety and creating safer spaces for Indigenous people, people of color, LGBTQ2+, immigrants. Just if you see somebody um, saying racist things, do something. Having good intentions is not enough. Take action to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions with more understanding. Find allies. Create a support system for yourself so that you can help advocate for culturally safer approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read. Reflect. Ask questions. Don't always expect this learning to come from marginalized people. Take time for self-reflection. If you are really upset that somebody said, no, that's not the case, and you're certain that they, you're, they are wrong, it's time for self-reflection. Beware of your assumptions, your biases, question everything you've learned about Indigenous people, and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not learning. Um, understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task, and I want to say thank you to heretohelp.bc.ca. Um, what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it as a resource that's on uh, Google. Internalized racism is something I really encourage people to Google. Uh, Gracie and I talked a little bit about that lateral violence and crabs in the bucket mentality, but ultimately it comes from systemic racism and uh, that manifests itself into lateral violence. So if you want to Google what is internalized racism, Donna Bevins has some information. There's much information out there. It's hard for me to have a lot of patience for people when I know your Google is right in your phone now. Um, you know, you don't have to wait for the library to open. Go look it up in encyclopedias. It's right there in front of you. Um, bystander intervention. You know, if you witnesses public instances of racism, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-indigenous, or any other oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment, you know, do make your presence known. Make eye contact with the person being harassed. Ask them if you want if they want your support. 
Move closer to the person being harassed. If possible, create a distance between uh, the person being harassed and the attacker. If it is safe to do so and the person consents, film or record the incident. Take cues from the individual being harassed. Is the person engaging with the harasser or not? Can you make suggestions like, do you want me over here? Do you want to move to another train car? Do you want him to leave you alone? And then follow their lead. Notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way and honor that. Don't tone police people. Uh, Follow up with the individual being harassed after the incident is over. Make sure you give them your contact information so that if they need to process it later or they decide that they want to file a police report or some kind of um, acknowledgement of it that they have you as a contact. Uh, But do what you can to keep yourself safe and, and the person being safe. Assess your surroundings. Are there other people that you can pull in for support? Working as a team is a good idea. And can you just move to a safer space? Don't call the police unless the person asks you to. For many communities experiencing harassment right now from Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, trans, Indigenous, and immigrant, the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. And we don't want to escalate the situation. We want to de-escalate it. So if you're ever wondering, look up de-escalation tactics. Uh, Don't do nothing. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence or harassment from somebody, you know, and silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, just move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at one 855-242-3310. But if you're non-Indigenous, you might want to try um, any distress center. will help you. Um, lots of toll-free numbers across the nation. So I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, what strength looks like. Actually, I'm just going to back up. Today's my granny's 85th anniversary or birthday. So happy birthday, granny. Um, my cousin said that my granny makes the best bannock ever. And it was the only time that those fighting words were said that I was like, yep, I can agree with that because you're my cousin and we're talking about the same granny. Uh, I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and her roots, teaching me how to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her. I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. Um, I thank my husband Darcy for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road. He's witnessed decades of racism and sexism in our child who are blessed to learn from daily. We are honored that you chose us. Uh, You give me daily accountability to be a stronger, better person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I say thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up. I just wanted to give a shout out for that little private message that I got that uh, also laughed along with me that my daughter thinks it's funny I get invited to seniors tea. So yeah, I love those little messages. Send them to me. Thanks again for listening. Bye.